Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast. I'm joined here with Frank Gow, my co-host. I'm also joined with our special guest, Alex Goking, who is... Office Frag. Yep. And then uh, John Bodziak, who is the OIC. Well, you're kind of the XO of the team, aren't you? I am now, yeah. Yeah, so he's the XO of the Marine Corps shooting team. It's our first time having him on, uh, and he just got done shooting his first three-gun competition. So we want to do a recap of the 2022 Microtech Pro-Am, and I wanted to get you know a veteran shooter on here to kind of describe how everything went at the Pro-Am, and I also wanted to get somebody who's a newcomer to three-gun. You know, he's not new to the shooting sports. He spent the entire summer season shooting USPSA. Uh, but now he's had his fill with three gun. So we just kind of wanted to get opinions on how everything went. So um, I guess I'll start out with uh, the first question. Um, so you both just finished the pro-am. How would you describe that match and what growth did you see in amateur shooters that progressed through your stages? Alex, if you could start out. Sure. I can say, um, and everyone knows, everyone here knows that I'm a stage design nerd. Um, everyone's got to have their uh, weird uh, weirdness to them. But I would, I'm going to compare it to last year's Microtech uh, stages where the, there are a lot more options. There's a lot more thinking that had to be done in your walkthrough. It was definitely a lot, uh, definitely like significantly more interesting. Um, and I thought that it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, right. Like every, everything, like uh, just about everything had like some kind of context and every, uh, a lot of the targets there had a reason for being there. I would say that, that was a, I, I definitely love that part about it. And the growth in the amateur shooters, like uh, running one of the stages, like um, you saw like different levels of growth. Like you got a couple guys who are like learning from the other shooters. They're like, oh crap, I can actually back out from this target uh, before moving on to my next position or like just learning new ways of attacking a stage. Uh, I saw that definitely on my stage. And um, even to the level of like, you know, you had a couple of shooters where they're like, I'm going to tell this kid afterwards and like about his rifle. Cause he uh, started shooting. He was hitting stuff at distance. I told him, don't change it right now, but your cantilever mount is partially mounted on your handguard. And that's not a monolithic upper after this match, go ahead and fix that real quick, but you're hitting real good right now. So do not change anything till the end. So we're seeing like different levels of growth, like people just getting in and other people still learning the ropes of like probably like a higher level of competition, if that makes sense. It does. No, I appreciate that. Uh, John, what can you add on? Well, I mean, first off, I would just describe the match as fun. It was a good time. Uh, I don't know if I got spoiled going to my first three gun matches this one or, or what. Uh, but like Alex was saying, I mean, it, there was a good diverse amount of stages uh, each one was set up in a way that both made sense and was it was challenging based on what your strength was. There were ones that were hard for rifle, harder for shotgun, and harder for pistol. And it really played to, you know, however you wanted to run it, you could figure out a way to run it that made the most sense for you, uh, which I thought was really cool um, that there wasn't just one set way and who could do that the fastest or, or, or anything like that. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, and kind of a different flavor from uh, USPSA sometimes where you can kind of get a little bit repetitive depending on, on where you go. But Alex is usually really good about designing some good USPSA stages that don't have that trap. Thank um, you, sir. And then <laughs> you're welcome. And then as far as when I was was uh, running my stages just throughout the three days that we were, we were being ROs, um, just the level of questions and situational awareness in, in the shooters that came through uh, that they would ask us and when, when they would get there, their spatial awareness for the targets and, and, the, and the shooting area 
you could see it progress as they went through the match uh, in the amateurs a lot. Obviously, the pros, uh, it, was, it was a competition in and of itself, just watching them uh, do their thing against each other. But in the amateurs, just the, the level of questions and thought that went into it, uh, at least I can attest this on my stage. I'm sure it was the same on other stages. Uh, but it was, it was really cool to watch that growth happen uh, during that time period. Uh, which is what I think that was probably one of the most impressive things through that. And you could tell just through that, those interactions that the pros were actually having a, a noticeable impact on, on those amateur shooters and, and how they were attacking these stages and creating their stage plans. And I just want to kind of give the listeners for those that don't know what the pro-am concept is, and this is going to kind of lead into Frank's next question, but the pro-am concept is, is it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's an entry level three gun match because by no means is it entry level, but it's in a, it's a chance for a pro shooter to get paired up with an amateur shooter. And it's an opportunity for that pro shooter to impart knowledge upon that amateur shooter uh, to where there can be growth in such a short period of time. Whereas like, you know, otherwise you would have to get instruction from somebody. So for, and you would have to pay for that instruction. So yes, you're still paying money, but it's in a match environment and you're getting on the spot coaching from a pro shooter. So it's a really cool kind of concept that realistically happens once a year. Um, so this, that's, I guess that's what's so special about this match because you have two people that don't even know each other that are, are working together um, in kind of a, a father-son relationship. And, you know, there is growth that is constantly happening throughout every stage each day. Yeah, so given that particular layout of the match, what were some of the better pros that you saw in terms of, like, mentoring their amateur? Uh, what were some of the characteristics they brought? And what were some of the things they did that were, like, most helpful and beneficial to the growth of their amateur. Alex, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I think um, one, this uh, match has been around. So like a lot of people understood the pro and am relationship really well, where it's hard for me to really pick out a specific uh, pro shooter. Cause um, they, they were all like doing their jobs. Like it was easier to pick out people who weren't doing their jobs, but eventually on the stage, they kind of did it. So I, I really don't have any pro shooter that sticks out um, uh, in my mind, but uh, I would say, but I can say that the ones that did like uh, that I do remember were the ones like walking the stages, like running the stage plan of their amateurs, like right before uh, uh, during the walkthrough. And granted there are times when I had to tell them, Hey, clear the range. We got our next shooter. But in the end, like what they were doing was right because that's where you definitely want to coach the shooter the most is in their walkthrough. And obviously the format of the match, they can coach and help out a bit and, uh, you know, like uh, talk to their shooters and help. One of the one of the things, one of the co one of the pros told a dude when he mounted the, the tank trap was like, hey, breathe. And, you know, obviously we all know like cool, like we all know that breathing is part of it when shooting distance. But at that moment, for you to be told breathe on a tank trap while you're trying to shoot a difficult target, that kind of sticks with you. So I really like that concept. I'm pretty sure that amateur shooter is going to remember that for the rest of his life. And, you know, just the timing of the advice, right? We don't always get that opportunity when we coach people, but the timing of the advice with that pro-am format it was, I thought that was significant, you know? I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, before we go on to you, John, would you say we were talking about Disney movies before we started recording? Would you say it's like the kid to like hearing Mufasa come out through the clouds and just tell you to breathe on a tank trap? <laughs> Except it's Mufasa telling you 1.2 mils. Hey, Mufasa has a wide, wide array of knowledge at his fingertips. So hey, I, he's going to help you with what did that am did that amateur shooter look like Simba looking up into the clouds blowing the fa uh, the the flowers out over the mountain? Uh, almost, except all he had to do was look at his receiver to see Mufasa next to a uh, crosshair. That's <laughs> an right. Anderson well, manufacturing joke. Before we get uh, 
before we get too sidetracked and possibly get like a copyright strike or something egregious because Disney is Disney. Uh, would you say that this <laughs> particular format brings a lot more for the amateur as opposed to like, Alex, you've like gone out and you sought pro shooters in like a, in an instructor setting. Um, is there something different that you get from actually having that pro shooter follow along with you throughout all the stages throughout the course of like a match? Oh, 100%. Like, you know, like um, we, we've had that situation where we we've told somebody over and over again, like to do something. But obviously, like it doesn't always click. That's just not how human beings work. We have to either know exactly what that how useful a piece of advice is before we fully like digest it. But it's another level of like uh, it sticks in a different manner when you're sitting here going to war with uh, with steel off of the tank trap. Bang, bang, bang. And somebody says, hey, man, breathe. And then you're sitting there like, wait. Hold on, let me try what he says. Just even just once. Bang. Hit. Holy crap. Breathing is good. So, like it's a different effect when you're right there and you see that how useful that piece of advice is. Like I think it's honestly like this is like the you're you're not only are you shooting a match, but you're getting that instruction on the spot as you're messing up. Like that's some pretty that's that's that, that's one. That's that's freaking solid. I know there are lots of guys out there that you can pay them um, or they offered to like a uh, shadow you during a match, which, you know, you have to go uh, undergo instruction from those individuals first versus here. It's like, Hey guys, I know your pro shooters go teach these amateurs freaking don't be a douche and help them out. Like that's, that's another level of high. That's another, I guess, version of high level instruction done in the right um, at the right moments. So I thought it was amazing. I, I'd like to add something onto this whole thing. And it's like, it goes to the pro-am concept, but it also goes back to, you know, whenever you go, like, this is more geared toward newer shooters and in, in, the, in the sport, you know, when you're at your local matches, like, pair up, you know, pair up with people that are better than you. Like, yes, yeah, shoot, you shoot with your friends, but at the same time, like, find those really good shooters and get on a squad with them because that is going to force you to get better. You're going to learn faster by seeing how others do things. Um, by thanks, Alex, you just ruined so the podcast. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> uh, you're just going to get so much better and have more growth by being, by being able to visually see what those pro shooters are doing. Um, and it's not necessarily the time to ask them the questions, you know, but at the same time, you have opportunity to ask questions. Yep. Uh, John, anything to add? Any um, particular pro shooters you saw that were doing things really well, characters that stood out, and then um, just comments on the format itself? So, again, I'm I'm new to this is my first three-gun match, so I'm not super familiar with the pro shooters in the sport. Uh, but for, for generalizations, I'd say the humility of – uh, knowing that, you know, they want to do their stage plan and, and prep how they are, but they also have that uh, amateur with them that's just looking to suck up any information they can. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and so really actually committing to knowing them, figuring out how they shoot and, uh, and, and just actually contributing to their growth and knowledge uh, throughout the match, um, whether that's telling them, after they went, because typically the pros would go first. Uh, if, if they found something that they thought the amateur would mess up on, or if they themselves messed up on, and they they provide that feedback, uh, or you know, even if it's something as simple as like on my stage, there was a, a dead sprint that you had to do from the shotgun portion of it to the rifle and pistol portion. Some of the amateurs didn't have their their belts squared away. They didn't really test it prior to this, uh, and so they'd be like losing pistol mags, losing rifle mags, and you know, you, you could tell sometimes really who uh, was there to help out their, their amateur in, in, in the fullest sense is they'd be right there to snatch that mag up. And as soon as, you know, they were there and looking for that mag, they'd hand it right to them. And they were, they were there coaching and uh, providing for that shooter and, and really helping them along. Um, and, and that level of personal time and investment, I think, is, is what really put each pro apart from each other. Um, but again, like Alex was saying, a lot of them, uh, it, it was a lot easier to tell which ones were, were not doing a good job than it was to see which ones were doing a good job just because 
so many of them were, were on top of it. Nice. Well said. So this is the second year that the Marine Corps shooting team has served as ROs for this match. Um, what st- stuck out in your mind this year compared to last year? And then why is it important for the team to continue to help at these major matches? Uh, so second year, uh, just a disclaimer, last year I was uh, running the side stage, um, which was, uh, you know, it was fun. Uh, lots of steals, so I received a lot of spall. But this year, like, if I were to just kind of like bird's eye view it and see, you know, what was going on, like um, – the thing that I mean, besides besides the stages, just like I think this year, well, you know, it's a really tough comparison because last year there wasn't really a pro am relationship on a side stage because it was pretty much just shoot the things and then shoot the things some more with the other gun. Um, I will say though that uh, if this was at all a thing last year, I'm pretty sure it's a lot stronger this year uh, because uh, on the uh, the number of pros helping their ams because I remember last year it was like a like, hey, remind the pros to help their AMs, remind the pros to help their AMs. And this year I was like, I don't have to remind anybody for anything. Like I had dudes like freaking looking at the timer, like reaching over to see if the, uh, what their AM was about to par out. And they're like, all right, cool. Now shoot everything right now. You're like, you got 10 seconds. It's like, you got 10 seconds left. Um, so I would say whatever we had last year was probably stronger this year. That would be a safe assumption. And, and then... And then uh, why is it important for the team to continue to help in these major matches? Oh, um, multiple levels. It's one, you can, you can really derive a lot of information watching people shoot when you're done shooting, when you're not the one shooting and focus on your stage plan. You can literally watch every kind of shooter attack a stage, which um, I learned a lot, honestly, sitting there watching the pros, even watching the AMs, how they attack the stage. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. I will think about that next time I hit, I hit a tank trap. And I think it's the fact that six months out of the year, we're all our, we're all ROs. We're all instructors. Some of us are MDs. Some of us are RMs. Right. Um, I think uh, it's, it's important for us to learn from the, uh, from running parts of the match to really understand like what goes in into it. And we could tell people all day that this is going to happen. Watch out for this and so on and so forth. But when you run a match, when you run a, uh, a major match, especially, those things start to become intuitive. You know what to look out for. You know what to do. You know how to speed things up, slow things down, or how to communicate with other stages. Like, hey, freaking, what's your squad doing? Cool, very nice, freaking. I guess they're gonna hit me. They're gonna hit me up next. I think the most important part is one, um, understanding how to like run a match from an RO perspective, CRO perspective, which is important because, like I said, six months out of the year, that's all we do. Um, the second part is like. Um, this is, this is like the community we thrive off of. Like, this is where we pull our information in order to teach people. This is where we benefit from just being there and like, Oh crap. I just learned something on this stage. I'm going to take it back to the rear. Cause I think the dudes freaking in the fleet could really use this. Like part of it is like, we got, let's give back to the community that gives us stuff. Like there are a lot of our tech training techniques, our actual techniques, um, come from this community. And I think it just makes sense. Like we're taking a lot from it. Let's, let's give back a bit, you know? Let's uh, let's put on some match shirts and uh, hold a timer, you know, eight hours out of the day every for like three days straight, you know, nothing off our backs. It's a good time. John, uh, I would 100% agree with with everything you just said. I mean, it it really boils down to, to three main things, and, and two of them, in my opinion, are, are more important than, than the third. First one is just like you were saying, giving back to the community. That uh, I mean. Half the year we're we're running mic mix. The other half of the year we're competing and and going out and being a part of all these matches. So if we have the opportunity to give that back to that community, whether that's just something as simple as being ROs or being there to help the match directors set up and tear down afterwards, um, one it it is good on us as the team, and 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 it it shows that our team isn't just here to shoot. We're here for because we have. The character to go off of and we're here for the betterment of the community not just for ourselves and giving back to that i think it is very very important uh and then also just like you were saying learning from the third person perspective after a while when you ro a stage for a while like eventually you figure out either new ways to approach something and and potentially what even is the best way to run that stage and you can take that knowledge 
and digest it, figure it out, and then apply that to later competitions that you go and think, oh, I remember seeing this guy do this and this situation is similar. Let me try that. And no, no matter what, if, if we're applying the, we're trying to always be students of this craft, then not only practicing and reps, but understanding what someone else is doing and seeing them do it is, is all part of that learning process. And the other part is just like, uh, just like Alex was saying, half the year we're, we're ROs, match directors um, for the mic mix. So any chance that we get to get practice reps and sets at, at doing that and improving that and making sure that we can do that, especially at a match where it's not just pros, it's people that uh, maybe they're not as comfortable with, with all the different things that are going on or, or, or they're, they're new to the sport. It really helps us out for when we, we encounter all that down the line uh, when we're running in a mic mix. So I think, uh, I think really it's, it's absolutely important for us to continue to, to give back to that community and take what we can from it while we do that as well. So I'd like to add something to this. Um, and I, I will totally, I agree with everything that y'all have to say uh, because everything that you just said is a hundred percent spot on another aspect of why I absolutely love being an RO is being able to see everybody in the community it's not you're not just seeing your one squad you know you're not just you know and then maybe hanging out with everybody else for maybe an hour afterwards no you are spending a dedicated amount of time with each and every single person and you just you one you build your network two you build friendships and and you build lifelong memories you know um I'll, I'll say this, like years ago, uh, Stassarm Ferguson, he used to be on the team, Steven now, um, he, I was able to get him into SHOT Show. And when he went out there, you know, he called me up like after the first day and he was like, dude, is there anybody that doesn't know who the hell you are? I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, dude, I can't go to a table where somebody just isn't asking about you and asking how you are. And so it's like, dude, I don't know. But that's, that is the value of what, you know, being a good steward to the sport and being a good RO in these matches, it's what it does for you. And, you know, that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. And like we, as a team, we can carry on that tradition or you guys can carry on that tradition and you can build your network base up and you can build friendships that are going to last a long, last a lifetime. Yeah. Definitely. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a lot too. Like um, a lot of people that I meet from you uh, through you, Matt, they Obviously, you've done a lot of good things uh, going out there and talking to others throughout the community. Um, so, yeah, not, nothing but good things. Um, and everything you guys said was completely on point. When you shoot a match, there's usually a stage that clicks. And then there's usually a stage that you wish you could go back and reshoot. So for this particular match, um, what was your favorite stage? What skills did draw upon and what went right for you? And then but the stage that you would like to have back, what skills would you focus on in order to improve upon whatever was deficient? Alex, we'll start with you. All right. Uh, my girlfriend knows this really well. I'm really hard at doing the favorite game. So I'm going to give you favorite one and favorite two. Right. So, Hey, I'm so sorry. I see you. Uh, you're this disappointed awesome, in me. I, I dishonored you. Okay. Uh, so. Because uh, I'll, I'll, the, the second one is worth talking about. The first one is just like, my favorite stage stage design i think that was stage five that was the one you would right sir the one with the sprint yes yeah i that stage was beautiful it was gorgeous it made me think like i if it's a good stage it means that um how much am i freaking out before the buzzer the higher the freak out the better the stage because if it was a complex stage i'd be freaking out and i love it i love that adrenaline dump like whew, i have no idea how what's going to happen but whatever but i'm going to go to the other stage now my uh stage that i would say had a very uh something i could have fixed right um stage three it was the rifle jungle run that ended on three distance steel right um the skills that i would focus on and the, the, what i love about it the skills that it drew upon was uh gnarly hard splits 
immense sprinting and just sheer violence for about 60 seconds uh, or 53 when you uh, forget to load your D60 all the way full because you think you don't really need all 60 rounds. In, in fact, he needed to reload before his last shot. So I would say, um, honestly, like, to, the, well, one, yeah, reload my D60. If I want to improve on that deficiency, I load your D60 until you see all the rows in the window in the back have uh, casings on it. That's that's one thing I would do. But second, like, that was a stage where everything, uh, I, I noticed that everything I did, my movement, friggin' entries and exits were solid. But I'm not going to look at Tyler Ariano and be like, man, that dude's fast and just be cool with it. But how do I get that fast? Even though I'm like twice his weight, what do I need to do? I should probably do more sprints because I want to be able to smoke a jungle run in, in his speed really hard. So I would say that right now, what I need to work on is the ability to move a lot harder um, and, uh, and do so at a match. So that's what I have in mind based off of my favorite stage ish. Thank you. Okay. And then, um, Stage that didn't go so well. What's up? Stage that didn't go so well that you wish you could have uh, been able to reshoot. Oh yes, uh, the, the, the the it's actually the exact stage that I ROed. Uh, the tank trap, um, and I, I I told the amateur shooters this like, hey, freaking just be deliberate. Doesn't matter. Don't think about too much stuff. Like try to make the tank trap so complicated. I spent like what four or five seconds finding another position because i was like where was that one target that i planned to shoot forth where did it go where did it go and i'm like there it is i was just too low so i um need to be a little bit more deliberate on my uh distance like uh, rifle planning and like know that okay cool i need to remember i got two positions on this tank trap in order to hit those targets so i won't be freaking sticking my head out like a groundhog looking for um i mean whatever groundhogs look for honestly i don't know what they do their shadows nice supposedly nice yeah okay good uh john so uh, i would honestly probably say stage seven was my favorite uh now mind you i had a blast on all of them and i was the entire time i was just talking i was thinking long and hard about which one would be my favorite but i want to say that one because it's one of the few that didn't involve any pistol uh, and not to say that I don't like pistol. I love pistol. That's why I shot it. That's part of the reason I shot it the entire summer, but, um, it were, it was shotgun and rifle. And it was the two things that I got to practice the least. So it provided, it, it was the, one of the greatest challenges for me. And, uh, while I was going through it, I just felt very confident, uh, in it. Um, I, I was, I was getting my hits with my, with a shotgun, uh, I'll, I'll, I didn't drop any shells on my quad loads, which was awesome. Um, and then, <laughs> I know that was, that was big. That was a win. That was a big win. Uh, and then got to the to the rifle, and it was uh, some close up targets, and then transition out to uh, a know your limits target, and then three targets at distance. Um, and I, I, it, it felt good. Um, obviously, could have been much better. Could have been a lot quicker. But uh, for what it was, it, I just it felt good going through it um, and just all the things from the day before kind of seemed to coalesce and click a little bit on that one. And it was just, it was a really fun stage. Um, As far as skills I can focus on, um, the answer is yes, I can focus on all of them. Uh, I need to, uh, just coming into it, but I, I I really liked just kind of throwing myself in there because it, it, it kind of showed me what I, can get away with for a little bit and what I really need to focus on. And I think uh, shotgun, especially and my ability to confidently and quickly manipulate it uh, and keep it fed and just understanding the system as a whole is really something I need to work on uh, with rifle, uh, both holds and, and my confidence up close uh, with taking the quick targets uh, quickly um, to include steel are, are the two things that I would really like to focus on. Uh, specific to the three gun just because um i have every intention of continuing with uspsa uh the pistol side so i think that'll that'll help take care of itself um but for for this i, I really think um just confidence with the weapon system and, and knowing uh, knowing it to the level that i can be as proficient as i want to be with it um which as we all know is impossible you're never as proficient as you want to be um 
but I think that's definitely what I could would improve upon the most is just getting more time behind it and understanding it. Nice. I think I think you left out the part that stage seven was where you smoked the rest of us. At I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you smoked all of us. It's like that's my favorite stage because it made everyone else hurt. <laughs> so, all right i gotta i gotta give a shout out to sergeant garcia that like we're all talking about how this was my first three gun match this was his first three gun match he he got unlucky enough to get to get shot out to to instill some discipline in candidates over at ocs as soon as he got here and uh he came and he showed up like he he showed up and you're saying i smoked everybody that man made that stage his own i mean he he, he took it and, and Quite literally ran with it. I, personally, I was most impressed with that guy. I'm gonna say, like, I don't know Garcia well. Like, I know him from the Mick Mix. Um, and then you know, he came to us and then he kind of quickly left to OCS. But every experience I have had with him, I have been nothing but thoroughly impressed. I am so glad we were able to get him onto the team because he's just gonna be that a really good steward to the sport and to the team. Like he's extremely professional. He's extremely proficient and he's just a really good human being. So I'm, I'm glad he's there. I completely agree. I agree 100%. Um, And I think there's a lot of people trying to fight to be the next Chris Scott. He's definitely one of those people who's in the running. Oh yeah. He's, and you know, Credit to himself, like he shot the Mick Mix, I think, two years ago or so. And that's what gave him the, the, the competitive shooting bug. And he, he competed at local matches and he kept up with it. And so he finally got to the team. And, you know, he's already coming to the team at a higher level, much like guys like, uh, you know, Cardenas and Nelson, like guys who are already established in their shooting disciplines. So he kept up with that. So he's like, he's just going to have nothing but like full potential and growth from here on out. And, you know, I'm glad I, I, I'm staying local to where the team is because I just, you know, I just want to watch him grow as a teammate. Hell yeah. Absolutely. So, this is, you know, I, you know, John, I know this, you know, that was your first time going to a three gun match and like your first time going to Clinton house. Uh, mm-hmm. You have been at some matches. Um, so I, you know, from your perspective, I want to kind of get your perspective on how you really enjoy the Clinton house um, as a location and, you know, and then, answer the question as best as you can, but we're going to start with Alex. So Alex, you know, what makes a Clinton house such an accommodating, accommodating location for large scale events, such as a pro-am and the zoo city armory fall brawl? No, just the sheer size of the, uh, the area and all of the availability of so many different like types of ranges. You have bays, you have long bays, you have like natural terrain, you have a bunch of ducks. Like it's, it's just, it's complete. It has um, everything. Oh yeah. And by the way, West Lane did show up. He popped by and um, we all are agreed that the ducks took his keys. Um, but yes, even though they were in his boots the whole time. Yeah. The ducks put it there. I swear. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like all, uh, I think Lieutenant Bud and I had a conversation. It's like, this is, I need to end up with a place like this. I need to end up with a place like this when I retire. Lots of land, lots of place to shoot, a good portion of it to generate passive income. Like freaking, it's amazing. Like it's awesome. Like, um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal range. Like there's just so much you can do there. Plus, I mean, it's awesome that we have have a place to stay on the premises. So nobody's worried about like, Oh, who's going to DD? We could literally walk back. Granted, it'll be a long walk from like wherever we're uh, meeting up at to like where we are, where we're going to stay at. And the accommodations this year at the break house was, it was pretty nice. You know, we got the, um, 
we uh we all got to be in the same spot so like um as an introvert that was also kind of rough because um i needed my alone time which was yesterday for me but on the bright side like you know you're always around everybody you're having a good time it's oh my gosh like clinton house is wild um it's just fun like the in and you know like there, there's that hidden gem of when you're all in the same spot after every after the match after roing it doesn't matter how smoked you are you're sitting on a, at a table with the likes of Fifi, Wiseman, Don, Bryson, freaking just sitting there, just talking, uh, hanging out. Like um, that's also an element that goes with it, right? Like when you're at your own hotels, it's a different story. But here, you're all you're all together, and you're just you're talking, and there's a lot of a lot of good things that happen, and a lot of you know, it's 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 therapy for sure. For John, you start. Uh, I want Alex. I want you to describe Don Bryson. Like you, uh, you, you told me uh, <laughs> this very specific detail, and I love Don myself. Like he is, he is an awesome American. He's an awesome human being, and I, you know, I, I love listening to him speak. So, go oh, ahead. Yeah. Don Bryson is a national treasure and needs to be protected at all times. Like he's a man who is just comfortable in his own skin, doesn't really care. Such a nice dude. And his character just seems like um, we had this like little um, freaking Don Bryson lore that we just started that at some point Don Bryson is going to accidentally stumble upon freaking, let's say, saving the president's life somewhere like unassumingly and then magically just become a national hero and like kind of like <laughs> sit there and be like, well, I guess I did. Um, let me see. Freaking like he just seems like that kind of guy. Uh, really entertaining. Like when he shit talks, it doesn't matter. It's like when he shit talks somebody else freaking. You shouldn't, if ever Don Bryson shit talks to you, don't ever worry about it because we're all looking at Don because he is freaking entertaining and he just walks around like without a care in the world. Freaking and his deep, like Southern, like I'm not sure what region his accent's from, but it's, it's freaking awesome. Like, yeah, Don Bryson is a national treasure. So now that we got a long-winded response about Don Bryson, uh, John, can you answer the question about Clinton House and your experience there? And Don Bryson. Uh, and then Don Bryson. <laughs> um, well, in regards to the, the Clinton House portion of it, I mean, I, I completely agree with Alex. Just the sheer size and diversity of the uh, areas available there, be it the short bays or the, the different ranges, uh, which even has some marked differences in topography as well. Like you can have jungle runs and then go out and you can stretch out for hun like hundreds of yards uh, and, and put targets all over the place uh, and, and really test out everything from up close to, to distance and do it on the same stage as well, uh, which, you know, is, is a unique uh, concept, at least to me uh, compared to the ranges that I've, I've been at before. Um, and then just like he was saying with, with uh, taking care of the staff and the ROs there, rather than have everyone kind of figure out their own way in, in a hotel that, you know, we stayed at the brick house and it was a pretty cool experience. Um, just one, just uh, shacking up with everybody and, and, and building that camaraderie about with all the other people there, just figuring out who people were um, and, and uh, just building those, those relationships that you were talking about. Uh, and it was, it was really cool just kind of getting getting to meet a lot of these people. Plus, I really enjoyed uh, the fried bologna sandwich. That was, that was delicious. Oh, the Jeremy Swafford fried oh, bologna yes. sandwich. It was, oh. it was everything I had hoped for, heard of, and more. It was – I don't know what that man does, but oh. he, he sprinkles some magic on there. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Oh, I yeah. appreciate it. Oh. And, and a great wild. many other people are very happy for you uh, that you did that. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. I, I do what I can, even at a distance. You had three, you had three Kings at that match, the King of food, the King mm -hmm. of bologna sandwiches and the dairy King, JC Schumacher, but that's a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, before we go to Frank's last question, uh, I have to <laughs> Sorry. ask, I have to ask <laughs> one last thing. So uh, for those who are friends with me on Facebook, know that I posted, posted a very specific video of Chris Wiseman on a kayak, like falling into the water. 
while shooting at the Fort Benning multi-gun last year. And I posted it specifically because I knew he was ROing at this match and other people that were going to be at the match would give him shit about it. What was his reaction about that? Uh, I wasn't ROing with him, but we definitely relived that video several times on one of the nights. Um, So, uh, yeah, we relived a lot of moments, and that was one of them for sure. (laughs) And I I know when you guys FaceTimed me out there, like, he just like, oh, thanks for fucking posting that video again. (laughs) That's why he FaceTimed you. Got it. Yep. Nice, 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 nice. I don't know if you went far enough, man. I would have put like the Slade Dion song from the Titanic. Oh, <laughs> no, that, actually, that's what it was. Oh, was yeah, yeah. It was the it was the recorder version, the sh- the, the 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 uh, crappy recorder okay. version. I think I had it on mute when I was watching it. It was just the the physical shame, comments, you know. I mean, if I really <laughs> wanted to go super far, like me and Chris Wiseman have been like roommates at every match that we've ro'd together, pretty much. Uh, so I could have easily taken a picture of him in his tidy whities and posted that on Facebook. <laughs> oh. oh, it's like putting a microfiber cloth on a bowling ball. <laughs> All right. Last question. Sure I wanted that image in my head, guys. Is... <laughs> oh. Good Lord. People are going to be able to see this, this episode. Thank you, Larry. so um we've talked about it before but everything that you guys just learned about coaching shooters and walking someone through the sport of action shooting during the pro-am um how would you boil it down into like two or three bits of information that you would give a new shooter um, and it could be someone about to go into a local match, or it could just be a shooter at the upcoming Mick which you guys are about to launch into Mick season. So mm-hmm. Alex, we'll start with you. All right. Number one, don't chase gear, right? The minimum gear is available to you. If you have a friend, if not freaking contact the, the individuals running this podcast, like you can borrow gear. That's fine. And, but don't spend your time chasing gear, chase training. All right. Don't be like, a Tony Alvarez. Hey, that's he's at recruiting school. He's already going through enough. So, <laughs> like, um, don't chase gear. Don't look for the best thing uh, out there. Look for what you need and focus heavily on training. Two, um, le- learn how to shoot your pace. But you know, I wouldn't really. I'd give that to everybody, honestly, not just a an amateur shooter. And don't you know? Number one thing, though, like I guess my third point: don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't worry about your scores don't worry about placement just go out there be safe and just do it that usually does the trick right and then you'll kind of know what to do afterwards like you'll know exactly like okay cool i messed up on this let me work on this and then it starts this training continuum of like this furthering up the ladder of excellence and remember that you know like nobody really cares about your score more than you i always tell people that you know at the end of the day the only person who cares about my scores is scott raider but otherwise nobody else freaking so um yeah he, he hawks the scores like uh he knew exactly what my placement was in microtech and he had a very straight face when he had that i was like whoops okay whatever so yeah just just get out there don't worry too hard about the specifics be safe and just do it and ask a lot of questions obviously there's gonna be a lot of people there who are willing to answer just then don't want to give freaking unsolicited advice like trust me on this there are lots of shooters who don't want to give unsolicited advice so they're going to leave you alone for the most part but i can tell you right now any good sh- a majority of good shooters out there we'll call it 90 percent 90 10 rule hey 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 jj rikaza hashtag so um 90 of shooters out there are gonna um they're gonna help you they just don't want to be the guy to like unload a crap ton of information onto you and you know, some of them will stick around with you at the safe area at the end of the match and like work with you. So just, just, just get out there and shoot. Um, the only thing I would add is like ask specific questions. Like when you see someone go through a stage, ask them about why they took that particular approach or ask them if they meant to do things a certain way. They'll be completely honest with like, no, that was a glitch in the matrix, dude. Like I completely messed that up. Um, I'll give you an example of a question not to ask. Uh, for USPSA, one of my shooters is like, what's a good hit factor? I'm like, dude, that's not something that I can answer. And he insisted that he wanted to answer. I was like, the <laughs> conversation is not going anywhere. But anyway. It's like, yeah, the three-gun version is what's the best shotgun? So, hmm. again, you're never going to go anywhere with that. Yeah. 
yeah, there's just yeah, total non sequitur. Uh, but John, over to you, man. Some of the uh, highlights that you would convey to new shooters. Absolutely. Uh, so biggest things, just like y'all were saying, ask questions, but ask pointed questions, ask specific questions. Um, you know, especially if you're, you're new and getting into it, ask if you have any questions at all, ask it to someone who's there. It looks like they know what's up. Um, the, the worst they can say is, dude, I don't know, or, Hey, I'm in my own space right now. And just, you figure it out on your own. Uh, the other thing, the other two I have is practice, find, find a specific something that you feel like you're not as good as you want to be at and practice it. The majority of what you can get better at, you can do without ammunition, like practice it, practice, it, practice it, whether that's your reloads or whether that's just dry firing at a, at a piece of cardboard or tape on the wall. Um, just figure out what it is that you think you need to improve on and focus on it. And then every time you go to a match, try to learn something and take that and carry it forward. Eventually just through those reps and sets, you're going to end up better than you were. I mean, for instance, when we were at Microtech, uh, I was just chilling in, in bed at the end of the day, absolutely smoked. And, uh, I was looking through a couple of the videos that I took a, a year ago when I was shooting in Hawaii and I looked at them and I just about threw up in my mouth. Um, I was like, good Lord, I do not like the way that looks. And, and back then I thought it was great, but retro, you know, hindsight being what it is, suddenly you look back with all this newfound knowledge you have on where you thought you were, where you wanted to be. And you were at that time, but then it just all accumulates. And now having gone that, uh, farther forward and, and, and progressed, you look back, you're like, Oh my gosh, look at where I was, look at where I am. And, and it really helps to, um, trying to bring it all together whenever you're, you're doubting yourself. It's like, look, I, I'm, I'm progressing. And if this is where I am right now, and that's where I was, imagine where I can be as long as I keep up with this. So I have, I I've been taking a few pointers down as you guys have been talking. And uh, so to your last point of watching videos from like last year into your progression, like, I remember watching videos from when I was shooting eight years ago and I like, I can't, I cannot physically finish those videos because I'm just so embarrassed because I'm just like, Oh my God, like that was me. Uh, and, and you know, it's kind of like that, that kind of euphoric moment, like, like, Holy shit. I am, I am where I'm at. And I have, I have like, realistically for me, myself, I have the team to thank for, for that because we have such a good program and we have such good people at the team. Um, well, I can't say we anymore because I'm not part of the team. Like I'm retired now. I miss you guys, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. Like the, the amount of progression of where you, you were and where you are, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but it can still be embarrassing. And when, uh, whenever those videos do surface, um, and to Alex, Alex's point one, I was score hawking too. And I was, I was, uh, <laughs> yep. I was one of those guys, uh, no but, but I have to agree with you. Like nobody gives a damn about your performance except you. So when you step up to that line, like step up to that line and perform for yourself. Don't perform for anybody else. Um, it's your one chance to go prove to yourself that you're capable of doing something. Um, and to and and my last point is really to the Marines that are going to be competing at this upcoming year's Marine Corps Marksmanship Competition. So one thing I found absolutely impressive, uh, this was back in 2019. It was December of 2019 at um, Far East. And I remember getting done with the day, uh, coming back to the range house in Okinawa. And, you know, Master Guns, Sean Hughes, Great fucking individual. Like, I, I love him to death. One of the best master gunnery sergeants uh, I've ever met. Like, he wasn't competing, but he was out there and he was invested into his shooters. And he was invested in their growth. Um, and he was out there giving them tips and showing them 
how they can improve. And, and it was, it, and they were doing nothing but dry firing and his guys like made it far and placed well at, at Mick Mick far East. And then whenever it came to the team match, they freaking excelled again. So it was really good to see a senior leader going out there with their Marines being invested in their growth. So uh, those those are the points I have. So like, like I really enjoyed this episode and it's got me really fired up for this coming weekend. Um, I'm going out to mountain state three gun championship and it's what the first three gun match I've shot since three man, three gun and the Duskin match this year in June. So I'm, I'm totally fucking pumped. I I've missed competing, uh, but I'm really excited to get out there with some of my friends. Nice. Nice. Sweet. But um, I, that does cover all the questions. So to the listeners out there, I really do hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, when you see the Microtech Pro-Am come up next year, uh, register for it. Like whether you're an amateur or a pro shooter, you know, be a part of this community, be a part of this sport, have fun, enjoy it. Uh, you're going to get something out of this match specifically, whether you're a pro shooter or whether you're an amateur shooter, because this one is there to teach both parties what it is to be a coach and what it is to be a student. So get out there, have fun. Um, And for those who are going to the fall brawl, like, like the Clinton house is a really good venue and just, you know, enjoy the surroundings enjoy the as uh john's put it the topography uh (laughs) water features yes uh so go out and have fun um i hope you enjoyed this let us know what you think if you have any questions like ask the marine corps shooting team you know i reach out to me i can get a hold of them They'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have. If you have any questions specific to us that you'd like to ask us, me and Frank are more than happy to answer any of those questions. So at at that note, um, have a good one and we'll talk to you next time.